Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Peter Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Well, good news, bad news. Good news, bad news. Uh, I don't know what you want to hear first, but uh, the good news is we're going to have a great show today. Global dictatorship of technocracy, politically and economically. That is the uh, the conversation. <laughs> How is that good news? Well, it just means Michael Matheson Miller is going to join us from the Acton Institute, and he has a podcast called the Moral Imagination Podcast. It's going to be very good. Uh, we're uh, very excited about that. Praise be to God. So that's coming up today on the program at 35 past the hour. And, of course, we are going to have a What's Concerning Us at 15 past. A lot of stories in the news, big stories. Uh, Gavin Newsom uh, survives his recall. I think he's only one of, like, two governors that have ever survived a recall election, something along those lines. So that's kind of big news. Of course, the story breaking about uh, General uh, Milley calling his counterpart in China and saying, hey, don't worry, we're not going to attack you. And if we were, I would tell you ahead of time. Like, that's kind of big news. That's in the what's concerning us. But there's another story, lifenews.com has uh, reported that they have records to show that the Obama administration purchased aborted babies' heads for $515 each for humanized mouse research. That's kind of a, an insane story. We're going to dive into that at the 15 past uh, segment on today's program. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, it's uh, good to be on with you. Now, the the bad side, the downside today is I am not in the studio. I got up uh, at my normal time, zero dark crack of dawn, and I was driving in at, as normal, and then my transmission decided that today was a vacation day, and it was not going to work. So I uh, drove several miles in an attempt to uh, to make it to work, but that did not happen, so I crawled back home at like you know five miles an hour and losing speed fast. So that was kind of fun. So here I am at the house doing the show. Uh, we will we'll see how it goes for the for the, our second hour, which this week is preempted to the nine o'clock central, ten a.m. Uh, Eastern hour uh, for our shareathon across the GRN. So we'll have to see how that goes. But either way, we're here. Praise be to God. It's going to be a good show. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, speaking of bad news, here I am. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> Wow. You have the transmission. I, I, I didn't even set that up for you. Uh, it was actually Jesus Robles. He was on our Facebook feed, and he said, <laughs> speaking of bad news, Adrian on the one and twos. Uh, Adrian so here, on the ones and twos. So here we are. <laughs> but so, you know, the good news is, so good news, bad news. Bad news is your transmission uh, just decided to uh, die on you. The, yeah. uh, the good news is uh, I'm still here, and it's good to be here. Praise be to God. That is Wait, hold on. I'm confused. That's good news that you're still there? I believe so. I believe so. Uh, let me get a second opinion. Janice, is it good news that Adrian's there? <laughs> yes, I I, uh, I appreciate oh, wow. having him here because I, uh, <laughs> I always like fear waking up early and having to come to, you know, an empty building uh, as a woman. <laughs> so having having another uh, having a male here. Is is uh, securing? See, <laughs> well, nonetheless, it is good to be here. You're very <laughs> thing, welcome. A thing I've never said: fear waking up early. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> fear waking up early words. in the middle of the darkness in an yeah. empty building. <laughs> well, praise be to God, that is not the case. Um, mm. So God is very good. The, the mission must continue, as we say. But we are going to have a great show today. Uh, we're going to talk about technocracy, the digital technocracy. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, this is a week where we received a second strike from YouTube on one of our channels on the Catholic Drive Time channel. And we are one strike away from being completely deleted on that platform, which, by the way, make sure you're subscribed over on Odyssey. Make sure you're on, on uh, where, where, where else are we? We're on Rumble. We're on Rumble. Facebook, on, Twitter. Yeah, we have a lot of other platforms. But, but most importantly, have, be on our email list. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. The best place to be is on our email list because... They can't strike us there. At least we hope not. And uh, I also have a text blast list. So you can go to our website. You can sign up for our email list, which, by the way, we are sending you a talk by Father Bill Casey. Um, it's a powerful 30-minute presentation, and it's on the State of the Union. You'll get that in your email inbox right away once you sign up to our email list. So go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to sign up to the email list and you can also sign up to our text blast list as well super easy it only takes a moment and it's a great way to stay in touch and i like to lavish a lot of uh, special unique and exclusive content on the cdt insider email list so do that at grnonline.com forward slash cdt let's pray let's jump into the breaking news and stories saint of the day gospel of the day and then we have a what's concerning us at 15 past in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, a federal judge blocks New York vaccine mandates for healthcare workers. New York is barred from interfering with any of the granting of religious exemptions from COVID-19 vaccines, Judge David Hurd ruled on Wednesday morning. From LifeSite News, thousands of people protested Biden's visit to Idaho and California yesterday, days after he purported to mandate the COVID-19 vaccine for nearly 100 million Americans. Also from LifeSite News, the cost of refusing the COVID-19 jab has proved too high for many employees of the world's second largest airline. As reported by The Hill on Monday, thousands of Delta Airline employees were presumed into were, were pressured into getting the shot after the company declared it was imp- imposing a 200 monthly health care surge for unvaccinated employees enrolled in the company's account based health care plan. From Blaze News, Dr. Anthony Fauci says he would support a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for airline travel. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director Dr. Anthony Fauci says that he would support mandating COVID-19 vaccination as a requirement 
for airline travelers. He stated, quote, I would support that if you want to get on a plane and travel with other people, you should be vaccinated, end quote, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci. From Blaze News, a new New York governor, Kathy, is allowing is calling upon Facebook to take steps to counter oppose abortion related misinformation. From Blaze News, the principal owner of Minnesota Viking professional football team has donated five million of New York five million dollars to New York Law School to support a program intended to train agents of quote social change. From Epic Times, the UN humanitarian chief on September 13 announced that more than $1.2 billion in humanitarian and development aid has been donated to assist Afghans facing a growing humanitarian crisis in the country since the Taliban takeover of Kabul and many other regions. From from Blaze News, President Joe Biden made the final stop on his West Coast trip Tuesday to Colorado to continue pushing for his $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill and his $3.5 trillion spending bill. Biden continues to push climate policy and visit to National Renewable Energy Labs. Also from the Blaze News, this one's interesting. A group of students are suing Creighton University, a Jesuit Catholic institution in Nebraska, for refusing to grant them religious exemptions to its COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Students are now suing the Catholic University for denying them religious exemptions to COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Also from Blaze News, in response to a higher number of COVID-19 cases among illegal immigrants and scarce medical resources, Kinney County leadership has declared a local state of disaster. Illegal aliens being transported through the state of Texas must now show a negative COVID test to pass through. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Wednesday. The Saint of the Day. But before we do the Saint of the Day, I just want to let you know that today is the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. So if you do not have a devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows, I highly recommend it. Uh, one of the guys, uh, the Glad Trads, is actually sending me a hand-bound uh, prayer book on this Lady of Sorrows because... Uh, he makes those, and he, he thought it would be a great devotion. So look up Our Lady of Sorrows. But today, the saint of the day is St. Catherine of Genoa. She was born in 1447 at Genoa, Italy, as Caterna Fieschi Adorna. She was a daughter of Jacoba Fieschi and Francesca de Negro, Genosa's nobles. She was related to Pope Innocent V, and most importantly, she was related to Pope Adrian V. I know, pretty awesome. And her father became a viceroy of Naples, Italy, and was the youngest of five children. She was a pious and prayerful girl. She early on felt a call to religious life and tried to enter the convent at the age of 13, but was turned away because of her youth. At the age of 16, she entered into an arranged marriage with a young Genosian nobleman, Guillermo Adorno. They, they were a childless couple, and he was careless and unsuccessful as a husband and provider. He was often cruel, violent, and unfaithful, and reduced them to bankruptcy. 
Catherine became indifferent to her faith, to her faith and fell into a depression. In 1473, while going to confession in a convent in Genoa, Catherine was struck down by a vision, the revelation of God's love in her own sinfulness, and fell into religious ecstasy. Her interior state and her contact with the truth she had received in the vision stayed with her the rest of her life. She returned home, helped lead her husband to the faith, and the two lived together chastely the rest of their lives, working with the sick and the poor till death of Julian in 1497. She became a Franciscan, a Franciscan tertiary and served as a tertiary directress in 1490. She caught and survived the plague in 1493 and was the spiritual student of Father Cateno Marbaotti in 1499. And he, he helped her to write and arrange and arrange descriptions of what she had seen and learned in her visions. It is her writings that have continued her fame today. During her canonization's inquiry, the Holy Office announced that her writings alone were enough to prove her sanctity. They are online and downloadable online if you would like to read them. She died on the 15th of September, 1510, at Genoa, Italy, of natural causes, and was canonized on the 16th of June, 1737, by Pope Clement XII. St. Catherine of Genoa, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 2, verses 33 through 35. Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword, will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, uh, this is a powerful little passage, isn't it? Especially on the feast day of Our Lady of Sorrows. You know, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of this passage is that, that, that song that many of you, I'm sure, love, but I, however, cannot stand, and that is Mary Did You Know. I do not love that song. I, I, in fact, I, I loathe that song for a number of reasons. I've done a whole radio show on that, on that topic in the past. But one of the reasons is because, of course, Mary knew. Mary knew a lot, a lot more than I think we can give her credit for. How could she know that? Well, because she meditated on God's Word. She chewed on it. She gnawed on it. She lived it. She breathed it. She understood powerfully not just the, the, the passages, but the very mind of God for the Savior to suffer and to redeem His people. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Embrace Christ. Embrace His Word. And if you stand for life, oh my goodness. 
You'll put a smile on God's face and he'll bless you. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's good to be with you. Wish I was in studio today. Unfortunately, my my transmission this morning decided to die on me, but uh, Michael Matheson Miller is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. We're going to be talking about the digital technocracy. Uh, He is with the Acton Institute, and he has a podcast called the Immoral Imagination uh, Podcast, and it should be very good conversation, so that's coming up at 35 past the hour. There are several stories in the headlines that I would like to, uh, to dive into today during this What's Concerning Us section. Of course... Uh, one of the big news that's breaking this morning as you wake up is the recall election in California uh, did not go through. It was not successful. Gavin Newsom survives his recall election. Larry Elder uh, had to concede the race apparently last night. And I watched part of his concession speech. He's very gracious. Uh, and uh, it was very celebratory for sure. Now, there are reports also about election uh, fraud. We don't know this, the details of that. It, it, you know, I guess that'll be coming out of the news as the days uh, as the days come. So we'll have to see how that goes. But so that's a big news this morning. But another big story that broke yesterday, and there were many many outlets that covered this, was General Milley. Now we might remember General Milley from uh, the Afghan withdrawal these past several weeks as uh, a part of that action, and which really did not go well, to say the least. Well, there is a book coming out that details his actions leading up to the presidential election of Donald Trump and then afterwards. This was kind of a big deal, kind of a breaking story uh, that uh, is worthy of a mention. Um, there's several outlets that have reported this. I'm looking at one from the Boston Herald. I'm looking at another from The Hill. The one on the article on The Hill, the headline says, hold on. The, the article says, Milley moved to limit Trump's military strike abilities after January 6th, Woodward book claims. Uh, so here's the deal. I'll summarize for you. After the election, uh, General Milley says, hey, listen, we can't trust Donald Trump anymore. He seems to be going crazy. So he convenes a meeting a secret meeting at the pentagon he tells the uh the heads uh, of our nation's military that they are not to take any orders from donald trump unless he specifically approves of it so that's kind of a concern now maybe you might say but joe hold on donald trump did lose his mind so this would be an appropriate action mm-hmm, okay well then here's another aspect of the story that the, the hill didn't report on but the uh, the boston herald uh, as well as many other outlets did in fact report on and that was general milley's two phone calls to his counterpart the general in china that is a very concerning story to me, especially as somebody who has served our country. Um, here's the headline out of the Boston Herald. Top U.S. officer feared Trump could order China strike. Here's a little bit of the article. Fearful of Donald Trump's actions in his final weeks as president, 
The United States top military officer twice called his Chinese counterpart to assure him that the two nations would not suddenly go to war. Okay. I guess that's reasonable. A senior defense official said Tuesday at the conversations where as the conversations were described in excerpts of the forthcoming book. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley told General Li Zhaocheng of the People's Liberation Army that the United States would not strike. One call took place October the 30th, 2020, four days before the election that defeated Donald Trump. The second call was on January 8th, 2021, two days after the, quote, insurrection, unquote, at the U.S. Capitol by supporters of the outgoing chief executive. Trump said Milley should be tried for treason if the report was true. Milley was sent, uh, let me start over. Milley was so far, Milley went so far as to promise Lee that he would warn his counterpart in the event of a U.S. attack, according to the book Peril, written by Washington Post journalist Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. The Associated Press obtained a copy of the book. Details from the book, which is set to be released next week, were first reported by the Washington Post on Tuesday. Quote, General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay, unquote, Millie told him in the first call, according to the book. Quote, we are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you, unquote. Quote, if we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise, unquote, Millie reported or allegedly said, according to this book by Bob Woodward and Acosta. Let that sink in. Our nation's top general is apparently going to warn our enemy if we're going to attack. Um, that, that, that smells treasonous. It's got the flavor of treason. I, I mean, is it treasonous? I don't know. I guess that's up to the, the proper authorities. However, that's a little bit insane to me. Even if he was, even if I'm trying to be as charitable as possible in this, in this, and he is very concerned about the the mental well-being, the psychological well-being of the chief executive, his very boss, according to the U.S. Constitution, which he rose his right hand and swore an oath to protect and uphold, to defend the Constitution of the United States. If, in fact, he was concerned about the psychological well-being of the, his boss, um, how does that translate to you warning our enemies of a potential attack. You know, I guess what bothers me a lot about this is I guess I, I knew that with in every organization on planet Earth, without exception, you've got cliques, you've got division, you've got politics. There's no exception to the rule. It exists everywhere. We're seeing it inside the church, and we definitely see it outside the church. So I understand that. However, um, the top general has an obligation to defend the Constitution. The Constitution makes it very clear who his bosses are and his authority and where, it's, uh, where it ends and where it begins. And if nothing else, I mean, I can maybe I could give a pass to say, hey, guys, during this election, you know, it's going to be a little bit tense on our end, but everything's fine. There's Don't expect any trouble from us. I, what, I guess that's okay, I suppose. But it, it, to say that you're going to warn them, that's a bridge too far in my book. It really is troubling to me 
as someone who who has served, who has risen the right hand to swear an oath to defend the Constitution. I am in, in, incredibly bothered by that. Not to mention how badly the Afghan withdrawal really went. And as a general who uh, many uh, f- uh, veterans feel should have stood up against White House, White House directives to say, hey, no, it's not a good idea to get rid of Bagram Air Force Base until such time as we have secured the evacuation of American personnel and people with special visas that we have given to them because they helped us. You know, yesterday was a report out uh, yesterday afternoon about an Afghan person who served our country, helping us over there. Well, the Taliban executed him yesterday. They hunted him down and executed him. Those reports are coming out every single day. Where was his concern, General Milley, where was his concern for the White House directives in the Afghan withdrawal? He went lockstep, apparently. They told him to give up the base, give up the arms, give up everything else. He didn't even question it. As far as we know, I mean, prove us wrong. I would love to be told that that wasn't the case, that he stood up and he was told no. I would love to hear that. I'd like to, uh, to be able to say that that's what he did, but we don't know that according to what we do know. So he's concerned about Trump, but he's not concerned about the Afghan withdrawal. Very concerning to me. There's another story here I want to switch gears to um, that I found just a little while ago. Because we were just talking about this with Michael Lofton the other day. About Catholics who are considering going east in order to avoid certain scandals and troubles within the Roman Rite. And uh, so I found this article, and I just thought, wow, that, the timing is, is incredible. This is uh, the website that I'm looking at is Orthodox Times, orthodoxtimes.com. The article is Archbishop of Cyprus. If priests do not backtrack for urging vaccine refusal, they will not receive salary. A little bit of the article goes like this. Archbishop Chrysostomos of Cyprus gave an ultimatum by the end of the week to the priests who have been denounced uh, at the Holy Synod for urging people not to be vaccinated. The archbishop said if they did not issue a public apology and a written statement to the Synod for their unacceptable sermons, they would not receive their salary at the end of the month. Quote, yesterday I called the director of the Holy Synod and asked him to call all those who had been denounced to us at the Synod for violating the order of the Synod, unquote. He called them for the last time, asking them if they wanted to retract their statements that the faithful must not get vaccinated in the sermons or confessions. If they do not do so, they will not receive a salary at the end of the month. Goes on to say, in fact, I told them, to make their statements in the media, and you will send them in writing to the Senate because the situation is serious. We told them that within a week you should make statements of repentance and the church forgives, unquote. I find this fascinating because, uh, you know, there's so many people who are tempted to run to look for a refuge might be considering the East. That's why we had the conversation, Michael, often. You're not going to find it there. Uh, as we can see from this article. Now, uh, what I guess what bothers me about this, well, how many, uh, how many pro-abortion politicians, how many politicians who do not support uh, the traditional form of marriage in society have embraced you know, the homosexual ideology and aren't given this same ultimatum, aren't given this same level of pressure, but priests who are not, uh, who are not recommending the vaccine uh, they, however, are told they have to make public statements. So, again, I find the hypocrisy in this, and I find it's very troubling. 
Uh, one more story I want to mention before we end up going to break here in just a moment. This shocked me yesterday. LifeNews.com reports new records show Obama admin purchased aborted babies' heads for $515 each. Now, this article, I'm going to try to post links to them. I, I say that, but sometimes I forget to do so. So if you ever if you ever want a link, just contact us and we'll, we'll get one to you. But um, this article, it, they basically had a uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, filing, which they had to go to court to get because they kept redacting the statements and they had to fight to get them uh, taken off, to get the redactions removed. And basically, Judicial Watch announced today that it received 198 pages of records and communications from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration involving humanized mice. They were purchasing uh, the fetal tissue of aborted babies in order to do research with, quote, humanized mice, where they engraft um, a human tissue onto these mice. It is a disgusting thing in my mind to uh, not only abort the children, but then to sell the aborted baby parts. We all remember the undercover videos of, of David Daleiden and how he got hammered by, uh, um, by the government because he was showing Planned Parenthood for what they were. Kamala Harris led the charge. And we all remember why they wanted to, to have these babies whole so that they could sell their parts at top price. Well, this article details how this was the case. Um, further proof of the, of the horrible nature of the abortion industry. Uh, let us pray for a complete conversion of hearts from everyone involved in this evil practice. It really does boggle the mind. That is, uh, I guess we're going to have to leave it there for uh, the what's concerning us and those articles. As I said, I'll try to post links, but if you want one and you don't get, you can't find one, email us at the show and we'll we'll send one to you. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with uh, breaking news and stories with Janice and then our guest on digital technocracy. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Got a drive time. We'll be right back. Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. 
From Epic Times, a professor of Pennsylvania State University is facing multiple misdemeanor charges after he allegedly attacked a student who protested against the adv- advocacy of COVID-19 vaccination mandates. A leaked Zoom conference reveals a doctor questioning how to increase the count of COVID-19 patient numbers on the hospital's dashboard report. From Epic Times, a Center for Disease, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention CDC Director Rochella Wolowski says the federal health agency is working quickly on a COVID-19 vaccine for younger children between the ages 5 to 11 and expect to have a vaccine for children by the end of 2021. From Epic Times, Europe's record low supply of natural natural gas could see the rest of the world paying larger heating bills in an effort to stay warm this winter, experts warn. From Epic Times, a number of U.S. businesses facing supply crunch-driven inflation in input costs as they expect the pass on they expect to pass on higher prices to consumers according to the federal federal reserve many businesses expect to raise prices in face of higher input cost a new survey from epic times states 45,000 employers in dozens of countries have shown that 69% of businesses have reported a hard time finding workers a 15-year high for the second consecutive quarter also from epic times pfizer is now re- now conveying an October submission of safety and e- efficiency data for its COVID-19 vaccine to U.S. drug regulators in a bid to gain authoritarian four shots for children between the ages of 5 to 11, two company officials said on Tuesday. From Epic Times, more than 2,500 people have demonstrated on Monday on outside the Mexican Supreme Court building in Mexico City to defend life and oppose abortion. Speaking with ACI Prensa, CNA Spanish language news partner Rodrigo Ivan Cortez, the president of the National Front for the Family, said he would be counted, he has counted at least 2,500 people from various states of the Republic at the September 13 protest. From Catholic News Agency, a California bill is called to replace a statue of St. Junipero Serra at the state capitol, unfairly slanders the saint legacy two archbishops have claimed in a Wall Street Journal on September on September 12. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis on Tuesday named a new Catholic Archbishop for the capital city of Belarus. The Vatican announced on September 14 that the Pope had chosen Bishop Losev as the General Secretary of the Conference of Catholic Bishops in Belarus. From Blaze News, one of one of the nation's biggest supermarket chain has warned warned last week that prices of grocery stores are going to continue to rise for the new near future because of high inflation. The price of consumer price inflation fell in August to its lowest level since February through the 12-month rate of inflation, which has remained historically high, a new government report shows. 
From Blaze News, a prominent Anglican archbishop has added his voice to those of several Catholic bishops in England and Wales opposing the legalization of assisted suicide. And from Catholic News Agency, bishops have noted a 95 report incidence of vandalism in Catholic churches across the U.S. since May of 2020. According to a report by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Committee for Religious Liberty. And lastly, from Catholic News Agency, two months after protests of Cuba's communist government, the Cuban Conference of Men and Women Religious have denounced irregulatories in the proceedings against their those detained for demonstrating. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Wednesday. Praise be to God in all things. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Michael Matheson Miller. He is a research uh, uh, partner at the uh, Acton Institute. He's also the host of the Moral Imagination podcast, and he's the producer of Poverty, Inc. And he joins us right now to talk about digital technocracy. Good morning to you, Michael. You're on mute, Mike. Uh, Good morning. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. The infamous Zoom mute that must yes, be managed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I fear I thought I was being responsible, and then I muted myself. So thank Praise you for having me. to God. It's good to see you. Good morning. Let's start with uh, the Poverty, Inc. Uh, uh, film that you produced. I find this very fascinating. I have only seen the trailer. I've not seen it. I know it's been out a while now, but uh, it seems rather uh, intriguing to me. Tell us about that. So, yeah, so the Poverty, Inc. Uh, film, you can see it on Amazon Prime, and it's on on. on um, uh, Amazon, I mean, uh, iTunes as well. Uh, so it's a full length uh, film where we really critique global humanitarianism and the dominant way that we think about helping the poor. So, um, it looks at how, despite the fact that many of the things that were done were done with good intentions, they actually ended up causing harm for the poor and excluding them from the institutions of justice. Wow. So, I think at the core of the philosophical idea of the film, so we tell a lot of different stories, we film all over the world, but at the core of the philosophical idea of the film is that human beings are not simply objects to be manipulated by social engineers or planners or or even humanitarian uh, people who want to do good. Um, Human beings are subjects. They should be the protagonists of their own story of development. And so while there's a lot of sentimental idea like, oh, let's help the poor and care for the poor, what we found out is actually that a lot of the big plans have actually not helped the poor and they've created an entrenched poverty industry. And so in our film, we go through that. And one of the things we want to do is just give voice to people uh, throughout the developing world. Uh, and they just tell story after story of how uh, big poverty industry initiatives ended up kind of com- working together with crony capitalism and mm. excluding the poor. And that really what what poor people need fundamentally is access to the institutions of justice. And these are things like clear title to land. Uh, you probably, and your listeners probably don't know, but in many uh, poor countries throughout the world, 60 to 70% of the land has no clear title. You don't know who wow. owns it. Um, or just access to justice to the courts. Um, the Center for Research in India and Governance in India did a study. It takes about uh, sometimes up to 20 years to get your court case heard. And there was a very good study in Peru by the uh, economist Hernando de Soto, um, where the, he set up a little sewing machine shop and said, mm-hmm. OK, let's register this business just like a poor person would. We're not going to drive around a car. We're not going to talk to our lawyer friends. And so he got four student lawyers to go around just like a poor person would have to do. 
And it took him 289 days to register the business. Wow. Poor people are locked out of the formal economy. And so it's not that they they need, sometimes you need help, of course, in like in 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 an emergency situation. But we've used the emergency situation as the model for development instead of creating acts, helping create access so poor people can create prosperity in their own families and their own communities, just like we like to do here. You know, I used to work for uh, many, 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 many years ago. I worked in the corporate world, and uh, my boss uh, told me a story of how he had, for years as an executive, donated and uh, sent money to Africa to help this organization feed these these uh, these poor African uh, villagers. And uh, he got laid off of his job one day, and he had nothing better to do, so he decided he was going to go meet the people that he had been donating to, that he had been exchanging letters with. And he he goes to this country, he finds the village, he finds the family they exist it wasn't a fraud he was excited about this he meets them and he looks he's in their home he's he's spending time with them and then in the corner of their of their home their modest home is all of the toys he had sent for christmas piled up never touched because the batteries had long died and it struck him that he had been sending all this stuff all these years and that's not what they needed most so he went out and bought them a cow and they began to milk the cow and make uh, and make cheese and make butter, and they sold that as uh, economy, and they were able to uh, grow a little family business as a result of that. And so it's fascinating to me uh, how the West sees, uh, you know, charity to the world, and uh, I'm excited to maybe take in your film and, and take a look at that. Yeah, please do. And so I think one just real quick comment, because I know you want to talk about other things, that uh, you made the charity point, and part of the problem is we've replaced charity with humanitarianism. Yeah. And so if you think about charity in the traditional definition, right, St. Thomas Aquinas, for, right, the idea is that to charity is love, and love is to seek the good of the other. It's to will the other person's good. So that means we will their human flourishing, uh, but we also um, keep their eternal destiny in mind. And so when we think about how we deal with someone in a situation of poverty, it's not as, as a cog in a machine or, or someone who just needs to be manipulated uh, even if it's with good intention, it's no, this person needs to be seen as, it's not just a technical problem to be solved. We're not just providing comfort. We want to help people get in the situation where they can flourish and create prosperity in their own families. And that's, I think, so that's, the, there's a lot of, of, of brokenness in it, but there's a lot of good things going on. And so we address this, uh, we tell stories from Haiti or uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, all, all over the world at Poverty Inc. You can also learn about it at PovertyInc.org povertyinc.org. I'm going to check it out. I would encourage our audience to do the same. But uh, we're basically up against a, a little break here. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. And I do want to bring up uh, digital technocracy. Uh, we live in a day and an age where maybe uh, uh, complacency has helped to foster this uh, this digital technocracy. What does this mean? What are the risks? Uh, maybe what are, the, what are the cures? All of that coming up next with Michael Matheson-Miller from the... Uh, Moral Imagination Podcast. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard people say that Christianity is barbaric, that it arose in ignorance? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that as a matter of historical fact, it didn't. It arose in the most civilized period the world has ever seen. It arose precisely at the intersection of three great civilizations, Athens, Rome, and Jerusalem. It combined the philosophy of the first two with the faith of the third. 
So what's the real reason the opponents of Christianity do not believe it? It's not because it's barbaric and ignorant. It's not even because it's civilized and sophisticated. It's because, as Chesterton says, opponents of Christianity would believe anything except Christianity. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. I'm Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. I would love to be in the studio today, but my, my transmission died on the way in. So by the grace of God, I was able to limp back home and join the show by Zoom chat. But also joining us is Michael Matheson Miller. He is with the Acton Institute. He's also a, a podcast host and does uh, lecturing on uh, on a lot of great topics. Uh, but today we want to talk about uh, the digital technocracy. Now, uh, I've been going through 1984 recently, Michael, and um, wow. you know, and I can see a lot of uh, overlap here in the conversation with 1984. Uh, th- where do you see us at now as a society uh, when it comes to tech, the, the topic of technocracy? But in the digital technocracy topic in particular, I find uh, that we maybe through our complacency and the love of convenience, maybe even the lust of convenience, that we might be paving our own road towards uh, an uncertain future. What say you, Michael Matheson Miller? Well, those are all big questions, so let me touch them. So I just finished a little book that comes out actually this week. It's called Digital Pandemic, and it's 10 Steps uh, to Protect Your Business and Your Family from Data Intrusion, Cancel Culture, etc. It's coming out this week if you go to my uh, Moral Imagination podcast website or michaelmatsmiller.com put your email in uh, i'll get you a uh, you'll be able to get when it comes out a, a free infographic and then i'll give you information about the book so there's my sales pitch uh, for mm-hmm. digital pandemic but your question i think you ask i think layers of questions so let me let me try to touch upon them first is this kind of idea of technocracy and and the way i sometimes describe this is that we have an um an idea of that there's the primacy of the technical right and i think that means two things First, that almost that every solution is a technical solution. So if you see even very influential writers like Yuval Harari, they they say like, you know, death is a glitch. It's a technical glitch. We can just solve it, right? It's just a problem we haven't solved yet. So there's this this glitch idea that goes on um, and, and of a technical solution. The other situation is that we think, oh, as long as you can technologically do it, it's moral. And the great critic, I think, one of the great critics of technology, surprising probably to even your listeners, is Benedict XVI. Mm. Uh, he has written about reason and technology uh, in, in a, from a different angle that's very important, but in his, in his encyclical Space Salvi and in his writings before becoming the Pope, we have a limited view of reason where we've limited reason to what we can empirically demonstrate. That's not just incoherent because you can't demonstrate that empirically. Uh, it also takes the fundamental questions of life, beauty, happiness, goodness, truth, justice, and puts it 
outside the realm of reason. So everything becomes technical. So that's complex, I know, but that's the first part. The second part is about a complacency. And I think that's right. I mean, we live in a time we didn't really expect, we kind of, we are thinking in a non-digital age, and yet we use digital technology, our phones, our computers, Zoom, right? <clears throat> Instagram, Facebook, all these things. But we're, we're almost thinking in a non-digital uh, and so we have a complacency because it's convenient, but we don't actually understand what's happening. Now, we're starting to see the problems with cancel culture, which has been around for a while, but it's getting worse. I mean, being getting canceled, being shut down, right? But that's only really the high profile issue. There's a lot of other things going on. Surveillance, data collection, intrusion to our lives, just inc- incredible amounts of data mining. Um, we didn't you know, think about it. Like, did Google ask you permission to take permi- uh, a picture of your house? If you, if we think about all the data that's collected about us constantly when we're online, and then that data is used and put in sophisticated algorithms, and those algorithms are, are developed so that we that people can create profiles of each of us, and then not just sell us things, but actually behaviorally modify us. You know, there's a, a um, I did a podcast interview with a, a man named Jaron Lanier. Jaron is. He's a, a progressive guy. He's not. He's not a not a belie- not a Christian. And and you know, so he. It's not. This is this is not just like kind of like a right wing thing. You know, um, he's a he's a self proclaimed progressive, and he's written a book called Ten Arguments to Delete Your Social Media Right Now. And he talks about just how all the behavior modification that goes on. Uh, and so uh, one of the things I do in this book is I just lay out ten beginning steps to begin to protect ourselves from just this data intrusion and from behavior modification. And the last thing I'll say, it's also just bad for our mental health. We're not realizing this. Um, I think that's starting to come out. You see studies about, you know, anxiety and boys and girls, all of course the pornography and all the memes and all this kind of cynicism that shapes the way we think technology isn't just something we use. It's does something to us. So just like architecture, beautiful architecture, Beautiful liturgy, beautiful music will shape us. So too, good code or bad code shapes us. And so uh, technology uh, really shapes us. So we have to be attentive to all those things. And I think really we have it. And so we need to be careful how we use technology. Uh, The Wall Street Journal just reported that Facebook is absolutely aware that Instagram is bad for the mental health, especially of girls. Um, We have to be aware how we use it. We have to limit our use. But we also have to use it more wisely because I think we sometimes get in this idea like, well, I'm either going to be Amish <laughs> or I'm going to be fully Im- embedded. You know, I, mean, I had dinner not too long ago at an Amish family's house. Right. And uh, they're, they don't use digital technology. Uh, but but the answer is, well, we can be engaged in the world and use technology, but we can also use technology better. Now, we, mm-hmm. I think we also need to build better technologies. Right. That don't base their profit model on collecting our data and and modifying our behavior and kind of making our whole life into a transaction. We need better technology, but we don't have to wait. And that's what I lay out. Like we can just, for example, don't use free email. Okay. If you're using free email, stop using free email. You pay for your plumber, you pay for your electrician, pay for your email. Why? Well, if you're using free email, how do the businesses make a profit, right? They make a profit through ads. Right. And how do they make probably through ads by getting collecting your data, your searches, your your, uh, you know, Internet activity and then selling that to advertisers. Right. So you're being tracked and monitored all the time. 
And this is what uh, Shoshana Zabouf has called surveillance capitalism. So uh, I think um, the problems are, are many um, and there's no single solution. But as you point out, you know, it begins really with a philosophical and a theological problem. Mm. And then this gets manifested, like errors in philosophy and theology get manifested into the code and into the profit models of how we think about commerce, how we think about human relationships, how we think about all these things get manifested in the code. And so we're operating in very old paradigms and using digital technology. And we just, we don't know what we're doing. And, and so it's a very complex issue. And uh, my little book, which is very short, is just the beginning uh, to deal with this. It's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't claim to solve all the problems, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that how we think about technology, how we use technology, and then, how we need to uh, rethink how we engage with one another uh, are, are really important questions. So that last point you made there about how we engage with one another, I think is incredibly important. There are two things that uh, we have about a little, a little more than four minutes left in our conversation with Michael Miller. Uh, but we, two points that I wanted to address is one thing you have talked about uh just is does not imply ought. Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. It reminds me of, you know, Jurassic Park. There's a famous quote. I actually recorded it and put it on a button because it was relevant. And it's... Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And they talking <laughs> about, like, they're creating life. is like, should we be creating life? Should we try to be, right. make uh, dinosaurs come back? And this is exactly the kind of thing we're talking about here. The other point I wanted to make is in regards to individualism. We are more connected than ever, and yet we are more individuals than ever before. And I think the uh, that technology is trying to divide and conquer us. They, so they make us individuals, yet members of the state, versus as a solidarity uh, or a subsidiarity, principles of subsidiarity, the family structure and the community structure and the religious structure. Instead, we replace that with the state and with being an individual. Could you speak on that? You got Absolutely. about a minute and a half to two minutes. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I mean, those are two things, actually. I don't, in the, in the little book that I talk about, I don't talk too much about the primacy of the technical. I, I have some other uh, lectures and essays where I talk about that. It's a little bit more philosophical. Again, I really recommend Benedict Sixteenth read Space Solvi. Now, let's be honest, we're Catholics, okay? Nothing is more boring than an encyclical, okay? <laughs> Encyclicals are boring, but Space Solvi is not. So read Space Solvi. It's a beautiful meditation. I highly recommend it. On individualism, you're absolutely right. I write about this actually in the fourth chapter of this little booklet. Um, <clears throat> Alexis de Tocqueville, the great political philosopher and, and anal, you know, analog, analog, great, great analysis of the United States, um, talked about how individualism leads to centralization and how centralization encourages individualism. Now, for a lot of people, that's shocking to think, wait a minute, isn't there the collective and the individual? Well, the problem is, uh, it's actually more complex. If you have individuals and then you have a little tiny individual and a large Leviathan state. And Tocqueville worried that that was going to create the conditions of what he called soft despotism. And so the way around individualism, the way around individualism is not collectivism, which encourages it, but actually associationalism and has the guest, uh, the host talked about uh, the principle of subsidiarity. And so one of the things we need to do is really revitalize mutual aid societies revitalize our community, strengthen our churches, make sure that we're not just like going there to hang out, but we actually create functions. And of course, most important at the core of that is the family. Mm -hmm. And so you're absolutely right. And then digital. So we already have the struggles. This is Tokyo in the 1830s, talking about how democratic societies can lead to individualism and then centralization. Digital technology just makes this worse. So I think you're absolutely right. We have to pay attention to those and we can't separate them. 
We're just about out of time here. Uh, we've been talking with Michael Matheson Miller. Check out his podcast, by the way, Moral Imagination. His website is michaelmathesonmiller.com. But what was the website for your book again? Oh, so if you go for the book, go just to the Moral Imagination or michaelmathesonmiller.com. And then you can also learn about povertyinc.org. And I work, I'm a senior fellow at the Acton Institute, where mm. we look at the intersection between moral philosophy and theology and business, economics, entrepreneurship, and that's acton.org. Acton.org. All right. So michaelmathesonmiller.com. Check it out. The Moral Imagination Podcast. I highly recommend it. It's also on YouTube, by the way. But uh, Michael, thank you for your time today. God love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. And like we uh, said yesterday, this is a special week. It's share week across the, the GRN side of our, of our partnership. So we will push back our second hour to 9 a.m. Central 10 Eastern. If you can join us then, that would be fantastic. You can do so right at our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But praise be to God, we're going to be back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for another round of Catholic Drive Time. Until then, God bless you, God love you, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19.16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Adrian, 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 Adrian. Welcome to your Catholic. Got to turn off the streams. Oh, sorry. Um. Okay. Well, that we got through it anyway. Praise be to God. That was good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. I was surprised at how well uh, the original sound worked for me this time. Yeah, I, I was able to hear the music. Yeah, pretty much. Huh. I mean, it was pretty faint, but not bad. And like I said, the 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 volume coming from from the studio is it's overmodulated. It's too hot. It's uh, coming out of that board. I'm it must just be. It must just be the preamps on the um, Scarlet. But it's turned down all the way. It can't get turned down anymore. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. And so the only way to turn it down would be from the board. But if I turn it down on the board... It just sounds gonna... horrible when you first hear it. You're like, oh, good grief, that's gross. Yeah. Um, whatever. Um, so my issue is, at this point, I, I had to limp back. I mean, I was literally doing like my, five miles an hour, ten miles an hour. Yeah, so speed uh, over here. I need to figure out what to do next, where to take it. Um. So I don't know if I'm going to make the Sherathon hour yet. Okay. I mean, obviously I can't. If I if I can, I will. But like I said this morning, you should prepare to do it without me. So maybe what you do this morning is um, Janice does not have access to Sherathon, so you're going to have to do all the thanking. That's fine. Maybe uh, I'll get maybe, rope David into helping. Yeah, I was going to say maybe you rope David or Tim in to to join the hour. So I'm going to go start to focus on that, and I will let you know. Now, as far as tomorrow goes, I mean, I have my van. I can always drive my van in. Just leaves my family stranded at the house, but uh, we will do what we got to do. Probably just take um, off after our hour. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, it'll be fine. Um, I'm trying to see who's on the calendar tomorrow. Who are we talking to tomorrow? We're talking to Tom. Nope, this is Bombadil. Old. Bombadil, yeah, Adam, bring it. I'm all about that paganism, man. It's not paganism. Good grief. Stop hanging around with the wrong, wrong people. Uh, Christine Mor- Mordian? Who Mordian. Is, who, I don't, I'm not familiar. Is this Janice's guest? Yeah, that's her homeschool guest. Yeah, so that's the uh, homeschooling mom. Uh, okay. She has like, she, she, she said she has like 12, I think it's like 12 or 15 years of homeschooling experience. And she's a okay. fellow, um, I think she's like an, uh, a graduate from the Circa Institute, which is like a homeschooling certification program. Is she um, Catholic? Yeah, she's Catholic. Mm-hmm. Great. Praise God. And what's her, uh, so what can, I mean, like I want to talk about, 
uh, the pressure on homeschoolers to 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 get woke, you know, with states' pressures like California, for instance. Are we allowed to talk about that, or like what? Like, I don't want to just talk about homeschooling in general. Sure, I can I can share uh, her email with you, and if you want to reach out to her personally and. Well, I don't know that I have time for that today because I'm worried about a transmission. But in general, that's what the conversation I was hoping to have when we talked about homeschooling. So hopefully, we can we can talk about you know more, you know some deeper issues, not just the you know the state of the state of the art of homeschooling is, is less less of a uh, of concern for me. I want to talk about uh, with the rise of homeschooling since COVID uh, pressures uh, coming from states and governments against homeschoolers impeding upon their ability to homeschool as they see fit that's hopefully what the conversation we can have is she on by zoom yeah well okay, i i sent her the zoom information awesome praise god mm-hmm. we had uh michael was great he's a talker didn't have to hardly do anything yeah he i feel like he could we could invite him for another topic like go deeper into the capitalism or like the um poverty yeah. issue like i think i really was, like the poverty thing. i can't wait to see his film um, that, that, that intrigued me. So mm-hmm. I'd be uh, anxious to watch that. Maybe we can have him back after that or something like that. All right. So you guys prepare to do share Um, Len sent a, a host information sheet today. I don't know. He's copying you, Janice, Adrian, if yeah, you could print I, that I for it. her. Uh, it includes the, the sponsored information for the daily appreciation prize. So make sure you're familiar with that. Um, it also includes any uh, matching gift information, so just make sure you're you're well aware. Mm-hmm. Um, Website's updated. Awesome, praise be to God. All right, so if you guys have any questions, let me know. But I'm going to go think about how I can get my think about what you've done. What have I done to deserve a terrible to transmission? Make a apparently. make a good examination of conscience. <laughs> how can I get to confession with no car? Walk. Walk to the okay. By the time Even you get if there. I did walk, the closest parishes aren't saying conf- hearing confessions. You know, so there well, you in go. that case, walk to Let Regina Taylor. I'm gonna walk to the Spixers <laughs> all the way in Dickinson, uh, all the way in Dickinson. Wow, yeah, that's a pilgrimage. That's They're having fair. mass at 7 p.m. You'll make it if you start now. I will not make it by 7 p.m. <laughs> Usually on Wednesdays, most parishes have confession on Wednesday, like Wednesdays yeah. are the days that most like. I don't know. Most parishes I know have it on Fridays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the yeah, some of them do Wednesdays. That's for Wednesday. sure. Some of them do Wednesdays. Well, mm-hmm. some of them do at any rate never. <laughs> all right, guys. I'll let you know if I'll join you for Sherathon, but just be ready to do it without me. All right. Don't worry. I'll inscript a David. He's really good at that. Praise be to God. God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye.